Blog Talk Radio. To another another night of Frights of the Roundtable 2.0, I am your uh, I guess your host with the most, uh, Jonathan Moody. Uh, I am here with uh, my co-host Megan Deanna Smith. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Um, I am the co-host, an actor, a comedian, an all-around cool person. <laughs> um, Tonight, we are super excited because we have James L. Edwards, the James L. Edwards. Um, but before we get into that, too, I wanted to just say up front, and we'll talk about it later, Jonathan, but um, I just attended the premiere of the fourth version in the Jennifer franchise of the horror movies that I'm in, and it's awesome, and I cannot wait for you guys to all see it when it goes live um, and pu- has a public release. So I just need to get that out there. <laughs> For Jennifer. It's called Not For to Jennifer. Jennifer or To Jennifer or what is it? From Jennifer, right? From Jennifer. Yep. This one is For Jennifer. Um, for and it's Jennifer. awesome and it's exciting. So, yeah, I'll have to keep you guys posted when it comes out. But James Colin Brezik is kind of the mind behind all of it. And he's done a lot of horror movies that we've talked about in the past as well. So I'm excited for you guys to see that. And he's been on this show, well, the old version of the show, Frights the Roundtable, with uh, Zach Ward. So, awesome. I would love to have James back at some point, for sure. Would be awesome. But but tonight, we're talking to James. So, James, why don't you, I mean, you're as far as I can tell, you're involved in pretty much all aspects of the film industry, <laughs> whether acting or making content. Um, so, why don't you introduce yourself, kind of explain to everyone who you are. Sounds great. Um, well, first of all, uh, again, I want to thank you for having me on the show. I always appreciate it. Um, mostly, <laughs> mostly, I've worked as an actor and screenwriter and producer since uh, since 1985. And uh, last, uh, I'm sorry, 2016, I decided to form my own company, uh, Buffalo Entertainment Industry. And the reason for that was actually for very selfish reasons. It was that where I always appreciate getting uh, every role that I've ever gotten, and whenever I can sell a screenplay, I'm already always thrilled. I just wasn't happy with the roles that I was getting and didn't like the lack of control that I had. So I kind of formed the company in order to selfishly get myself better roles. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, <laughs> last year we started production on my debut feature. Um, a romantic horror film called Her Name Was Krista, which is in post-production right now. And uh, the things are, I, I could not be happier with the way things are going. So, so that, that kind of gives you some background. <laughs> awesome. Congratulations, too, on all of that. That's dope. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, now, we were talking before about it. I don't know if we talked about it on All About Acting or if we had talked about it 
just personally, because James and I have talked, you know, a, a bunch of times without being on the shows or whatever, without the, um, you know, microphones on or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. But, um, uh, but uh, we've discussed before that apparently her name was Krista was your first feature film, and instead of you know going into short films like uh, a lot of people do to start with, you went right into like a feature length film as your first directorial debut and and that is awesome uh a lot of people like you know like i said don't do that so uh what what was it like you know going right into something that big um to be quite honest with you it it was kind of uh, there were pros and cons uh the pro was the fact that it was a passion project. It was a chance for me to kind of challenge myself and actually play a character versus a personality. Uh, one thing from my past that I was discovering as far as my acting roles were, was I was getting, um, I was seeing a lot of fame as a, uh, as a uh, review writer for the magazine Alternative Cinema. And because of some limited amount of fame on a serial killer film that I did called Bloodletting, um, I kind of was getting cast basically as the same role, which was kind of like I, I was basically getting either the obnoxious guy or the villain most of the time. And I really wanted to break away from that. I really wanted to show basically that I could actually act. So the decision to make Cristo was one of those where, to be quite honest with you, it was very naive, even though I had been on a lot of film sets. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Krista marked my 45th film, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Ooh, nice. It was still harrowing because you have to, not only are you calling all the shots and responsible for everything, but you also have to stay in performance. So that was something I wasn't quite prepared for. I, I was fortunate that because of an incredible team that I put together that we were able to pull it off. But I do think that it was very overzealous. I'm thrilled with the results, but it was very overzealous and, and incredibly emotionally painstaking. That, that is, is awesome. Well, so, okay. Also, before we ask you all these other questions, I'm immediately intrigued by the fact that you said it's a romantic horror film. <laughs> I, um, I, the, sad, the thing that worries me about Krista, I, essentially, I wanted to make the film that I wanted to make, is what it comes down to. And my concern was uh, character development is incredibly important to me as a, as a screenwriter. So I wanted to really build these characters. And what we ended up with was a script that really didn't have a horror element until the end. It was a very slow burn, almost more of a thriller than anything else. So that was one of those decisions where it's like, the, I mean, the first half, probably the first two thirds of the film actually plays more as a romance than anything else. Um, and, uh, that being said, it was one of those where the decision had to be made. It's like, okay, do we go forward with this because we're happy with the screenplay or do we dumb it down to appease, um, a, uh, to, to appease a certain audience? You know, I'm not saying that, uh, I'm definitely not saying horror audiences are dumb. I'm saying with this particular project, I, like I said, is that, is that our, our hardcore horror audiences going to be interested in watching a love story first? And my decision was, you know what, I think that the script is strong enough to where it's going to appeal to a, a, an entirely different type of audience. Uh, I know with our, uh, with our group, uh, we ended up doing uh, group tests with the film or uh, focus groups. 
and the thing that kept coming up were it's similar to movies like May. Um, I love May, so it's like that's fine. I can I'll completely take that. So, but I guess ultimately we won't find out until oh, you can do all the focus groups you want. You really won't find out what's going on until it's released. And our planned release is uh, Valentine's Day of next year. Ooh, so romantic! It's going to be the next Fifty <laughs> I'm sorry. It's going to be the next Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just for necrophiles, exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the when we promoted the, Yeah, well, when we promoted the film trying to uh, raise funds for it, our, our tagline was basically that it was uh, the notebook for necrophiles. And I, I really think that holds true because what we tried to do with this film was essentially there been, there's been a thousand necro, uh, films about necrophilia, but to my knowledge, there had never really been one that makes you sympathetic for the character. That they, uh, that every time that subject gets brought up, it's always some horrifyingly creepy, evil person that's doing these horrible things. It's like what I wanted to do was kind of build a character that it's like, you know, I don't agree with what this guy ends up doing, but I understand why he does it. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. For sure. That's going to be, that's going to be interesting. Like I would love to see the reviews later. Like, uh, oh, I'm, people, I'm very like, curious. Okay, yeah, let's put it that it. way. <laughs> Well, so far, like I said, the focus groups have come back very positive. I, I, I've never done focus groups before, and to be perfectly honest with you, I'm against them. Um, but it was one of those where we had a, a real concern because the, the film ran a little long, and I wanted to see if there was anything that they felt that could be cut. Because I have a nasty habit as a director where, I mean, ultimately, especially a director of something you've written and you're, you're starring in, every scene is gold in your opinion. So it really helps to get outside views on that. The problem that I, the reason I say they're kind of a waste of time is we basically scored, I believe a, what was it? A 97.8 as far as positive reviews on the, uh, the, the focus groups. And there's a section in there with their little, uh, with their little slips where they have to make decisions where it's like, what could you see taken out of this film? And pretty much all of them came in blank. And say, well, then that's not helping me, you know. So <laughs> that's the reason I did this. Right, exactly. It's like uh, live and learn. <laughs> how, so how would because a lot of the like we try to target our podcast towards filmmakers as well. Like obviously we all mm-hmm. are horror, and I'm an actor, and Jonathan, but we all make films and whatever. Um, how would someone who's making maybe their first film go about getting a focus group so that they could get feedback? Um, like, what was your process for that? How would someone do that? To my knowledge, there are two ways to do it. And, of course, I, ch- I chose the cheapest way. Um, I, uh, I know that there are companies, I believe, based Los Angeles, Atlanta, New York, and I believe Ontario, that specifically will gather focus groups for you. The problem is that's very expensive to do, and you have to bring your film to them if you want to be present for it. You can send, you, you can send the film and not be present, but I like to actually vis- visibly see reactions of the audience while it's going on. The, what we ended up doing was we had contacted uh, a few of the, art, uh, the uh, uh, arts and drama departments of local colleges and basically said, hey, we had this project. We are looking for focus group. Um, we would be interested in having a, a class or two take a look at. So most of oh our, uh, God, most of our, book, I'm sorry. That's so genius. 
that was my line of thinking. It's like, A, it's, they're going to be thrilled to be involved, and B, it's not going to cost you anything. So as long as you can get good at getting good at the local campus, you shouldn't have a problem. The, now, the downside of that was typically your, uh, your uh, age range is going to be anywhere between 18 to 30, which is fine because, I mean, <clears throat> that, was the, that was the age range that I was most concerned about enjoying the film anyway. So, but yeah, it worked out very well for us. I, like I said, did I get any feedback that really helped me in the editing process? No, absolutely zero. But it was a, it was a nice experience of something I'd never done before. Well, and it also kind of validates you to be like, oh yeah, I did make a really great thing. All this hard work, people <laughs> like, you know? See, see, I'm my worst enemy as far as that goes. It's like, I, I know that I know I'm thrilled with this film because I'm actually saying good things about it. Typically, I'll find something to bitch about it with everything. So, I mean, I know that in this particular, it's like, oh, I guess we did do a good job. So, <laughs> well, that brings me that brings me to my question about your newest endeavor, which is the short film Mama's Boy, which uh, I co-wrote with you, um, Absolutely. and everything. And I, I'm uh, like and. By the way, how it all, like, you know, well, originally I, I guess I had asked you to do it for probably Scary Story Slumber Party or one of the, one of the, you know, anthologies I was planning to do. And then just a bunch of different projects came around and I wasn't able to, to do that, you know, to, to make it. And then you were just like, hey, what are you doing with this? Do you, you know, uh, are you planning to still shoot it or uh, where can I have it? And I was like, you can definitely have it, you know, because I, I'm one of those people, like, I love to make my own stuff, but I also would love to be a writer for hire at some point, you know, right. and so the more I can get onto other people's, you know, to, to write for other people, the more people start seeing that and start asking me for that, so I'm always down, you know, um, and uh, when we, uh, when we wrote wrote it, um, I was always wondering, like, you know, are, are you are you completely happy with like, were you happy with the script, or did you change stuff, or or what? And if you did, hey, I'm I'm okay with that because <laughs> I know how it is on on set um, and everything. So how hmm. was it with the uh, taking it from writing to directing? You know, the thing that was nice about Mama's Boy, I was always a fan of what we did. And again, not to sound arrogant, but I thought it was a really strong script. And it was a different writing process that I'm used to. Typically, if I'm writing something with a co-writer, typically we lock ourselves in a room for two weeks and crank out a script. Well, with you being out of state, we didn't have that option. And what, it, what fascinated me about what you had done with that was the fact that you had, if I'm not mistaken, and again, this goes back a couple of years, but you had already had the script, again, it's a short, so it only came in at like 20 pages. You had already had the first 10 pages done, and mm -hmm. you turned it into me, and I ended up writing the last 10. And then I think we tinkered with it a little bit, but for the most part, we pretty much kept it as is. Now, when we ended up finally filming it, the decision to make Mama's Boy was we're in post-production currently with Krista, and... The idea, I think with all independent filmmakers, the idea is your next film, you want to be bigger. You, you want bigger budgets, you want bigger opportunities, you want bigger set pieces. So bigger takes money. And the problem we were running into was the fact that I was talking to my director of photography, uh, Gordon Cameron, 
And he's like, look, I have uh, some ideas as far as investors go. The problem is that, A, most of these people are not going to want to sit down for an hour and a half movie. B, with the movie that we've just made, because the people that I know, we're talking about older money, are going to take a look at the last half hour of this film and walk out. They're going to be very upset because, I, I again, not to do my own horn, but we, we got pretty – we got pretty uh, surprisingly graphic with the the final half of uh, her name was Krista. So getting investors to get get behind that is actually very difficult. And our, his line of thinking was, why don't we shoot a couple of short uh, short films? Uh, we'll use them as investor tools, and depending on how they turn out, uh, a it'll give us the opportunity to hone our craft a little bit, and we can possibly use them as standalone shorts to release on Amazon or. Uh, include them in an anthology that we were uh, planning for probably roughly, I'm going to say end of 2019, maybe early 2020. So I was all for the idea. I thought it was a lot of fun. Well, again, I had to pull favors in order to do it. So I was fortunate enough to get Sasha Graham back uh, from uh, Polymorph and Bloodletting. Uh, I was fortunate to get Kaylee Williams from Model Hunger uh, back. I worked with both of them on Krista and love working with both of them. And we were able to see, find some fresh talent locally as well. And we got one more day of shooting on Mama's Boy, and we're set with that. And I'm, the thing that was weird was it's literally in my however many years doing this, since 85, the easiest job I've ever had because <laughs> I was going from a set, uh, what was it, a, what ended up being an 18-day shoot on Krista where I was playing the lead and, uh, or the male lead and trying to do everything to basically being able to sit back and boss people around. I was like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> well, I should, I should do this more often. You know? so, but no, a stellar cast, uh, fun story. I, just, I really think that a lot of people are going to have fun with those. Can you guys reveal um, a little bit of what the plot of it is? Because I think the concept I, is I can give really you a little amazing. tiny bit, but I don't want to ruin the ending. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, it's about a uh, young man who, whose mother is incredibly overprotective and may or may not be a serial killer. So, and the thing that in, the thing that excited me about not well, one getting the opportunity to work with Jonathan was a big uh, a big deal for me because we had been friends for years. I've always uh, I've always wanted to work with him, and getting the opportunity to was a lot of fun. Um, the thing that excited me about it, it was that. Um, Jonathan, working with him as a screenwriter, is incredibly open to ideas, which a lot of screenwriters, you, you have to do this kind of back and forth stuff where you're, you're fighting to get your, your own stamp in it, but also not affect his stamp. Uh, Jonathan's completely open with that, which is, which is a lot of fun. And we kind of, I kind of threw the ending at him kind of as a, uh, as a surprise, and he wasn't expecting it, but he was so open to it. So I, I really think between his really fantastic build-up and design of the lead character and uh, our ending. I, I, I think we have something special here. Um, I, I will tell you guys uh, the genesis of the story, which I don't think James even knows this. Um, mm. And I even forgot because, you know, it's been a while since I think we wrote uh, Mama's Boy uh, probably before you even started uh, Krista. If I'm correct, it's, it was like oh, yeah, a couple it was, years it, it, or something. I'm not it was early 2016, yeah. Yeah. So he, um, so I had um, 
uh, sent it to my friend Jackie, uh, who um, uh, she's been on some of my shows before, and she's an actress and and everything. I sent well, I sent the um, the the link from the pop horror um, stuff, and it, it had a little bit of the um, uh, story on it, like from your mm-hmm. press release. And she right. read it, and she goes, "Wow, this sounds like my relationship." And I go, <laughs> "Oh shit, I think it was." I think it was inspired by her relationship with her boyfriend who uh, she's still with, but sort of, you know, like they're not really, you know, she's not really happy, but like the idea of their, the mother son relationship being a little too weird and stuff and to, you know, the mother being very overprotective um, was definitely, I think, spawned by this idea of like, what if that went to the extreme and, and she was, she or may may or may not have been going around, you know, killing people or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that is a uh, that was fun for me. And when I when I realized that, I was like, oh snap, that was actually based on somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> that's uh, so it's funny where you come come with your ideas. Totally, and also as far as it just being acceptable in the horror world, like that mother-son relationship is always really interesting in this dark world that people create like because of psycho especially just establishing that trope mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. exciting to me so i can always just yeah. that was actually one of the things that that attracted me uh i mean obviously uh, obviously uh, working with jonathan was a big one but one of the things that attracted me the most about it was the fact that we could kind of do kind of psycho with a twist where it's like the thing that's nice about this script is it's very uh, – you start off thinking that it's very reminiscent of things that you're already familiar with, and by the end of the film you you figure you discover that it's absolutely not, which I, I'm always attracted mm-hmm. to. I, I, I'm a sucker for trick endings. I've, I've always tried to, to sneak those in as much as humanly possible. And, I, I, again, I think we, we had a really strong one on this one. Well, I will oh, yeah, say, I- John – this, that I am a absolute diehard M. Night Shyamalan fan, judge me if you will, but I'm a huge fan of the as well, so I approve. No, no judgments here. I'm, I'm excited for class, so um, you know, M. Night has, to me, has gone back to the roots of like his really good good thrillers and, and everything, and, and so far, I've, I mean, Split was amazing, uh, the visit for me was okay. Once the ending happened, I was just like, eh. But, um, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Sometimes the twists just kind of, like, feel like they're a twist, you know, and right. stuff like that. Right. And, and that I, particular I think the I think the problem that M. Night has is it's very difficult to beat the twist in The Sixth Sense when you've got something that, that mm-hmm. impressive and that shocking it's difficult to continue that trend. I think at this point, a wise move on his part might be to do a movie without a twist because none of us would see it coming. Yeah. (laughs) You're so right because he's like set this standard and like Sixth Sense was Oscar nominated. Like it's incredible. Um, So yeah, he set the standard of being known for twists. It's hard to keep up. I would say I would argue that like signs doesn't really have a twist. Like, yeah, water is something we they should have like figured out, but that to me it doesn't seem as like, haha, I tricked you, you know. So I kind of right, I exactly. enjoy that. But obviously, like 
the village. It's a complete twist. So he sometimes he does it, but that's why I think science is also really special and really good because I don't think he tried hard to like force a twist. You know, right? Literally, the only problem I have with signs is the aliens look like your typical aliens, and that just annoyed me. You know, to no end. I was expecting these aliens to look very cool. And, but I said, "You look like a typical alien, Jonathan." Yeah, I guess. I mean, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But I, I swear to God, I just, I, I thought I was like, they're like green Martian kind of, you know, like I was just like, ugh, you know, just do something different, you know. But right, whatever, and. That that was my only problem with that movie. <laughs> well, let's um, get. I mean, I could a night shot on for hours and all the remakes I made of his movies when I was like thirteen years old. So we can move on <laughs> to talk about James, who's the real guest here, right? Um, back to like you started saying that you decided to make, you know, some short films in order to show investors in hopes that you would get money for features. Like, what was your very first step when you were like, okay, cool, I'm gonna become a director like writer and I'm going to make a known production company, make this film. This is the absolute first thing I need to do before I do anything else. What was that for you? Very first thing was to come up with a script that was going to be impressive. Um, My thing is you can have the best cast, you can have the best crew in the world, but if you don't have a story that's interesting, it's going to be all for naught. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to go forward as a director until I had something that I truly was passionate about. And I can say that her name was Krista. Once I had a finalized script was the most passionate I've ever been about a script. I actually think that that's why, um, uh, what was it? Uh, why mama's boy was so easy for me. Cause not only did I not have to play the lead in it, but it also kind of gave me a sense of my main concern here is just to make a good movie whereas I didn't have anything to prove, where with Krista, I had a lot to prove. I had to prove that I could act, or I had to meet certain challenges. I, we had to recast our female lead, so I had to work with her for several months to, to get ready for that, to make sure there was chemistry, to make sure that it was, it, it was a series of things, good, bad, and indifferent with Krista, that kind of made that a very high-stress but ultimately rewarding experience. Um, but no, I mean, like I said, the, the number one thing I think was the script. We, we really had to have a script that you, where you would fall in love with the characters and actually understand what was going on by the end. Totally. How was it like? Yeah, also definitely. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, how was it like also directing yourself? Like <laughs> that was a lot tougher than I thought it was going to be. Because I'll be honest yeah. with you, I mean. As an actor, I went through a phase in the 90s when I was gaining a good amount of uh, popularity in the indie scene where I became very arrogant. And that was something, luckily, two divorces, uh, two divorces kind of humbled you from that. <laughs> so stepping back into that major of a role and also having to direct yourself, oh, wait, cracks me up because Sasha, Sasha Graham and I, when she came back on um, – uh, what was it when she came back from Mama's Boy? Said, you know, watching you direct Mama's Boy is a completely different experience than having having you direct me on Krista because I actually feel like on Mama's Boy I'm being directed by James, whereas on Krista it's obvious that you were in the mindset of that character. And I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, it makes sense because I mean it was very important to me 
to try and get into this character. I mean, I went as far as, what was it? I changed my entire appearance for the film, you know? So, I mean, between uh, basically having them, uh, having them shave my head into like a male pattern baldness kind of thing to this ridiculous mustache to everything else, it was like I, I really wanted to get in the mindset of that character. But what I wasn't expecting with that, though, was that's great that you're putting yourself in this role so deeply, but you also have to direct. So remember that. <laughs> so, and it was incredibly challenging. I mean, it was it worked out well, but it was it was very very probably the most challenge I've ever had on any film. Oh wow! Um, just so you guys know, uh, it says about we have 90 seconds before the show will cut off live, but it's we can still talk, you know, for the next 15 minutes or so after. So um, okay. Just giving you the heads up, it'll it'll cut off live and everything. So if you want to um, tell all the live listeners real quick where they can find you at so that they will know. Okay. The easiest way would be Facebook uh, under uh, James L. Edwards. Um, we also have Facebook pages for both Her Name Was Krista as well as Mama's Boy. And I believe Mama's Boy is listed as Mama's Boy short film. Um like I said, come for the love of God, please like our stuff because uh, it's the only way we're going to get seen. So, I know it's so sad that like marketing and investors and movie studios they want such a huge online presence already so that they don't have to do as big of a job and it's going to guarantee butts and seats, etc. Um, oh, but exactly. as as actors and directors and people who are super talented and making incredible stuff and are focusing all our time on our craft and our scripts and all this stuff and not time on Instagram, how come we're not being rewarded? You know, it's right. stuck. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, unfortunately, it's kind of become a popularity contest. And I get that. Totally. I mean, they, they, want to, they want to return investment. I don't blame them on that. But it's not like the old days where you could basically go out and make a movie and get noticed with you, you wouldn't have to promote your own film you know i mean i guess in some cases you did but not like you have to now yeah i hear even like actors have certain contracts when they're on certain shows where they're required to tweet about the show at least once a week or, or things mm-hmm. like that which it's nuts you know it right. should be about well, the acting but it's not oh exactly I mean, trust me, I'm, I, I turn 45 next week, and the last fucking thing I want to do is go on Twitter. You know, it's not my yeah. thing. You know, I'll, I'll do it because, I mean, I'll play the game, but it's like, trust me, I, I, uh, this new technology confuses my old brain. I don't understand it. So. <laughs> well, then, yes, absolutely. Anyone who listens to please just always support our guests, us, me, Jonathan. It really, really does help out every time you thumbs up anything that we're promoting. It really, truly helps. So. Everyone exactly. should go check out Mama's Boy and all your Facebook pages. I will certainly be doing that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's got some great pictures. Um, I was, you know, I, I I don't know if I told you, James, but I I I like got goosebumps when I saw the picture of the uh, the table, the dinner table, because was it what me, you pictured um, when you wrote it? Yes, exactly, Good. actually. And so, like, you know, because I, you know, like like what said, I, I wrote the first ten pages. And, um, you know, a lot of that was actually around a dinner table. Um, that, that's mm-hmm. all we could say. I mean, you know, there's not much, right. you know, um, we want to give away. But, um, you know, there's obviously the idea of, of meeting the mother and everything like that. And that's a big, big deal with the movie. Um, and what really um, 
you know, when I saw that, I was just like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. Kaylee um, looked just exactly like I, I like was thinking I would have cast her, too, if I could have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just, you and know. And she's an absolute when joy you to told work me with. That I, uh, yeah, I, uh, Kaylee's one of those people that <clears throat> is tireless as far as promotion and work, and I always respect that. And like I said, I initially – uh, what was it? The thing that impressed me the most about Kaylee was the fact that I'd worked with her on Krista. She did a fantastic job. She has a small role as a very belligerent, belligerent prostitute. And she has a fan. I mean, she's just absolutely incredible in the role. But I really wasn't, because the budgets were so small on the shorts, I really didn't think about casting her because I didn't think we could afford her. And she actually contacted me about it when I put the uh, the casting notice up. And she's like, hey, um, I'm interested in this. Uh, would you would you be interested in working with me again? I'm, I'm, of course, I'd be interested in working with you, but I just wasn't sure if it'd be worth your while. It's like it'll absolutely be worth your worth my while. I want to work with you again. I'm like fantastic. So we we were lucky to get enough to get Kaylee. I was able to get Sasha, and Sasha we, we lucked out with because we we basically had a very limited time frame to work with her, in the sense that um, she was literally two days after the shoot, she was leaving for Tibet if I'm not mistaken, and she was going to be there for a month. Oh, wow, yeah. So it was like, it's like, okay, well, we either have to be ready for this or we're going to have to recast, and she she knocked it out of the park. I mean, once you see what she does with the Priscilla character, I think you're going to be really shocked. It, it's definitely not uh, – I, I, it's definitely a performance I was amazed to watch on set, let's put it that way, both her and Taylor and, and everybody else the cast. Like I said, I'm not trying to – downplay anybody else but i was really impressed with, with that's them. awesome i'm i'm excited uh the more you talk about the more like you know I'm like i want to see this now you know kind of thing but, um, <laughs> of course i will wait until it's uh till it's ready because um i really want to see the final product when it's done and oh absolutely so i can't <laughs> well, wait well like i said it. our goal uh, is to have that ready to go and hopefully to start off with on amazon prime as of the uh, as of March, that's the goal anyway, because it should come out right after Krista. Awesome. Yeah, you don't want it to come in out before Krista, do you? <laughs> like, yeah, well, it's one of those like, things. Yeah, it's one of those things where, considering I pretty much invested the last two years of my life into Krista, I just didn't want to to have uh, the short be the first thing that comes out. I know, uh, um, and not that I'm not proud of the short, I absolutely am. But but having your own feet, it was very important to me that right out of the gate, I did a feature first. Uh, that, that's all. That, and honestly, there, I, I really want to both be able to fine-tune both of them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and did you say that um, Krista was going to get a... Um, uh, is it going to go straight to VOD, or is it going to get a theatrical run? At this point, we're looking more towards a VOD. Um, we're actually... T- uh, the thing is, the problem that I'm running into is the fact that the majority of the fellow filmmakers that I'm speaking with who are dealing with um, indie-specific labels, none of them will pay anything up front. And I'm just not comfortable with that, to be perfectly honest with you. I would rather take a chance of self-distribution before giving my title to a company that has the potential of ripping me off. And I'm not saying anyone in specific. I'm saying that that does happen, you know. So mm-hmm. our line of thinking was uh, one thing that I'm leaning towards. I don't know if we have the budget to do it, but 
I really like to do a road show with it along the lines of what Kristen Glover did with um, his movie, What Is It?, where we basically hit 15 college towns throughout the U.S. and show it there, uh, have screenings there, and kind of get, get word of mouth on there. And also the festival circuit is nice as well, so I'm looking at all of those options. Now, don't get me wrong. If I'm if I'm hit by a, if I'm hit by a distributor that wants to to pay up front, I'm, I'd be thrilled. Uh, count me in. But I really, from what I'm hearing from most active indie filmmakers, that's not that doesn't really happen anymore. And then, depending on how well it does um, streaming and on VOD and all that, it can still. I mean, it can still be distributed in larger platforms as well. So. I'm oh, absolutely, just, and that's the thing. The problem that I have is, like I said. I'm well aware I'm a dinosaur. Uh, the uh, um, uh, the whole um, uh, what is it? Uh, physical media is dead. I hate to say that. It breaks my heart. I love Blu-ray. I love DVD. I love 4K. But the problem is, it seems like anymore there's only a small group of us that are still purchasing it, and everything else is going through uh, on demand and streaming. I don't particularly like streaming, um, but if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. You know. I know, what was it, just from talking to a couple of dis, uh, distributors, they're picking up major films from, like, I mean, granted, they're older, but they're picking up films that should be selling well, and they're only pushing, like, two or 3,000 copies of them. That's, that's kind of a scary time for physical media, so, and especially considering that, like, most stores are pulling their media department out. There's only one game in town on, as far as rental goes, and that's uh, – uh, that's family video, and I don't know a single person that still rents. I mean, I guess Redbox is still popular. I, I would, wouldn't be opposed to that, but it's just, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a scary time for physical media. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about it because, you know, I'm a physical media guy. I love mm-hmm. um, collecting videos and, and uh, DVDs and, and Blu-rays and everything. I do not have a 4K yet. I eventually will, but... Um, mm-hmm. My um, my thing with it is uh, the problem with streaming uh, and distributors is the fact that distributors only you know they only get so much money like they have to like they get like a cent uh, a, a movie a copy like you know a, a stream you know or something right so really they get nothing for it and everything and if somehow or another that were to change you know then I wouldn't be opposed with streaming taking over. But the problem is, right. like, they get more money from buying from DVDs selling than they would from streaming. So somehow or another, one or the other two has got to to become, you know, the main thing or whatever. Because right now it's just it's at a standstill, and there nobody's making any money. So you're, the companies that you're talking about, um, like people like Wild Eye Releasing and some amazing companies that I love. Um, they're not. They don't pay up front, and they barely are, are able to pay you because it's right. just you know. And again, you know, I'm, so please don't you, take that the wrong way. I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I I get it. It's it's a difficult market now. Um, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to wrap your brain around as a company. It's very difficult to wrap your brain around. Okay, I'm going to give this guy ten thousand dollars up front for a movie that I may not see six from. You know, it's like that doesn't make yeah. any, from a business standpoint that doesn't make any sense. The problem is that there's got to be a better way, is what I'm saying. I mean, whether it be self-distribution, whether it be streaming, I, I don't, I, I don't have the answer. I guess I'm going to find out in a couple of months, <laughs> but uh, I don't have the answers. But as far as that I, goes, I, I, I will just, just. Oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. What were you saying? What were you saying? 
Oh, I was going to uh, all I'm going to say is that um Blumhouse is doing something right now where they are taking independent um filmmakers and they're um doing either TV shows or movies or something and I think it's movies and they're streaming them on uh on like um Amazon. They've got like a deal what? with Amazon for horror. So those that's the kind of stuff that, you know, is going to be really big and and going to do well. Um them. Just wanted to point as that long, out. There. As, yeah, as as long as they as long as they pay the filmmakers, absolutely, that could be a fantastic thing. Um, mm-hmm. I know I've talked to several uh, several filmmakers who are basically uh, self posting their own stuff on Amazon and actually doing quite well with it. Um, I think the real problem, my own opinion, the real problem with indie cinema right now is the fact that, and again, there's there's pros and cons to this as well, a lot of people aren't taking indie cinema cinema seriously anymore because uh, they're treating it almost along the lines of like YouTube blogging and stuff like that, where it's like now that technology has gotten so great as far as on a home home, uh, uh, camera uh, type thing that it's it's difficult. Some of these kids are doing fantastic stuff with YouTube, which, again, builds competition, which I'm always a fan of, but it also kind of makes a lot of audience members think that anybody can make a movie. And mm-hmm. I, I've been on enough sets to know that that's just not the case. You know? That's true, yeah. Well, James, I think what you said earlier, too, is absolutely true. You just, you've got to play the game, right? So as everything mm-hmm. changes and the industry changes, you have to adapt, and that's what we got to do. Um, we're also we're just about out of time, so I wanted to say um, where where like you already told us about where to find your Facebook things, but where is the place that we should be looking for the film releases? Should we just keep up to date on your Facebook pages? Is that where it will be announced? Facebook is mostly what we uh, what we go through. Yeah, I mean we do. Uh, there was an Indiegogo campaign for uh, for Krista that we uh, uh, we uh, add to every month. But to be quite honest with you, most of that stuff can be found on our Facebook. So that's usually the best way to go. Perfect. Yeah, and Perfect. feel and feel feel free to message me anytime. I'm very personable. So anybody that wants to send me a message, I'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank well, you thank- so much, James. I am so happy that I got to like kind of meet you via the, <laughs> the podcast. Um, but we really appreciate having you, and I'm really excited to see your future projects and. Congratulations on all your hard work. Well, um, thank you so much. It was a pleasure meeting you as well, and uh, I always look forward to to the radio show. Thank you for having me. Yay! Yeah, of course, of course. Um, <laughs> and Jonathan? definitely welcome back. Yeah. Oh, James, so- anytime. Please. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Well, here we go, Jonathan. We did another podcast. That was another episode of Frights of the Roundtable 2.0. I am Megan Smith, your lovely co-host. You can find me online. I just changed my social media handle, ah, which I know you should never do, but it's now Meg Deanna Smith, so M-E-G-D-E-A-N-N-A Smith. It's a little bit easier to find me that way. Having the most generic name, Megan Smith, is really difficult, let me tell you. Anyways, so that's where you can find me. Jonathan, why don't you let the people know where they can keep up with your adventures? Um, well, on Twitter, I'm the uh, the only Jonathan Booty on there. There's other people who wanted that, but apparently were not able to get it, so I got it first. Ha, ha, ha. But um, <laughs> um, 
then uh, was it? Uh, and then I'm uh, like Jonathan A. Booty Film, or yeah, I think it's film on uh, Instagram, uh, and filmmaker Jonathan A. Moody um, on uh, filmmaker actor uh, Jonathan A. Moody on uh, was it um, on Facebook for my like official page. Also, you can look me up on as Jonathan A. Moody. Um, I have to kill a bunch of other uh, friends of mine on there so I can start making more room because the 5,000 people block, you know, thing. So mm. anyway, that's it. So uh, thank you once again, James. And thank you all who listened tonight. Uh, and um, we will be back. I don't know if we'll be back next week or not because it's the day after Thanksgiving. So I don't know what's going on, but uh, we will let you know um, on the social media pages. So thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye, everyone.